afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to call in the ancestors. Why? Because you have no reason to listen to me. I'm just another person. I want the blessings of the ancestors so that this show can be more than just a person talking. So I call in the energy of the ancestors to be with us here today. I call out to all those ancestors all the way back and all of our ancestral lines, not just mine, but those of you that are listening um, at this time live or in downloads or who knows, throughout all of posterity, all of those listening to all of your ancestors who knew how to give a right and proper blessing. I call out to those ancestors to be with us here today to hold us well that we might gather round and rediscover together the lost art of blessings because we'll come together today and rediscover the power of this simple, beautiful gift that we have to offer one another. I call out to the energy of the earth. Why? Because I want the blessings of the earth. I want the blessings of this great dreaming being that she is to be with us so that we can dream of a new future together. So I call in the energy of the earth, that great dreaming planet who dreamt all of life as we know it into existence and all the creation mythology of the shamans. I call out to the earth to be with us, to help us to ignite in ourselves the power of the dreamer, that we might dream of a future for ourselves and bless it powerfully. I call out to the energy of the earth that we might feel grounded and connected to bring those blessings down through ourselves into the earth and to spread love and generosity and bounty and abundance with each other. May we know connection and belonging. I call out to the energy of the sky to be with us here today. Why? Because I want the blessings of the sky realm to be with us, that we might have all the wisdom of the cosmos with us here today. I'm asking for these blessings for myself, for you, that we might circle round here today for this hour for good reason. I call out for generosity and protection and all of the energies that come to us from that sky realm. I call out to the energy of the heart and its power to unite all of this together and to connect this person to person person to the environment, person to the spirit world, to connect in all realms, I call out to the great power of the heart. And may your heart merge the passions of your body with the clarity of your mind that you might know your soul's true purpose in this day. And may the spirit energies we've called in here today bless you and help you to bring those gifts to the world. I ask for spirit's help today to say what has value and meaning. Today, the topic of the show is the power of blessings. So what is a blessing? And before I go any further, let me confess, blessings are not my strong suit. As a shamanic practitioner, I'm learning about blessings. And so I'm speaking to you today from a place of vulnerability and uncertainty and not knowing. But since it's the time of the return, that's a blessing as well. So these really aren't my strong suit, but I'm going to go forward anyway. 
Now, if you want to hear someone throw a blessing, listen to Tom Cowan. He's a teacher of Celtic shamanism, and that man can spin a blessing like nobody's business because he, he's reconnected to the Celtic world, and they had a great, great, long, deep, powerful tradition of blessings and poetry and prayers. And blessings in our daily lives, as Americans at least, is a bit of a lost art, I would say. And, and another form of blessing that truly could be active in all of our lives is toasting. Toasting is a wonderful form of blessing in the, in the ancient ways, and toasting in and of itself is a completely lost art. And so today we're talking about the power of the lost art of blessing. So blessings and curses operate in their basic form at the level of speech. Um, when we come, um, they come from the power of the word that, that, you know, back long ago, I think we understand this now. We didn't understand it for a long time academically, but I think we understand now that long before there were languages, human beings communicated through um, body language and hand signs and, and some sounds. And, and we've often seen that as some sort of lower form of development. But my sense of what was going on at that time is that human beings were, were deeply aware of the power of the word and the power of sacred sounds to make things happen. And that, and that sound, language, the ability to form words was used for casting, for casting a blessing, for casting a curse, for, for, for speaking a spell that was used to engage with the spirit realm wasn't used for everyday commerce, everyday interactions. That was that could be carried out with a hand sign, a you know, body language. So what we need to understand is that blessing and the power of blessing at its most basic level operates at this realm of speech. And speech, working with words and speaking, um, is an aspect of working in the realm of air rituals or air ceremony, air ritual or ceremony. So a blessing, in its simplest form, is is one of the simplest forms of a power retrieval. And a power retrieval is obviously a type of shamanic healing. So a shaman uses a blessing to replace health or balance or unity, to to reconnect someone with the oneness of all things. Um, the blessing can be used to bring the energy of goodwill um, towards someone's life or to help to bring someone back into a state of um, suerte, which translates badly in English into luck. It's more bringing someone back into that um, relationship with life where things go their way versus things not going their way. Um, a typical Celtic blessing um, used to restore energy would would place the power of something in nature onto the person. And so it's, it's basically asking that, that nature power to, to merge with the person's power um, to help to restore the person's energy. So an example would be, may the power of the wind be on you, or may the power of lightning be on you. May the power of um, the rich and fertile earth be on you, something like that. Okay. Again, not my strong suit, but I'm working on it. Okay. So... The energy uh, returned in a blessing from the shaman can then be conveyed to the patient in a variety of ways. There's the words, which I've already talked about, but in shamanism, blessings can be conveyed to the patient on feathers, on smoke, on a song or a dance, or kamaing, which is blowing a, 
a vapor of um, usually a liquor, but it can be water. Um, it can just be breath or smoke. Um, and sometimes the the liquid in the shaman's mouth is also has spices or something in it. So the spice can be commied onto the person. So it's a way of infusing the energy of the blessing into the person and their energetic body. So um, blessings are also often conveyed to participants in healing rituals, um, like in a traditional sweat lodge ceremony or other meetings of the Native American church doing, um, during the peyote cactus sacrament these are these are blessed there are blessings that are offered and there 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 are many many ways to convey blessings and there are as many ways to convey blessings as there are cultures or people in the culture so at its essence in a blessing we are asking spirit to assist another um in other words we're engaging our free will with our intent and we are we are using our ability to communicate with spirit to focus an intention of of blessing or goodwill onto someone. And we're asking the spirit energy to go to them and to assist them. So one of the things at the very core of blessing someone is protection. It's a very, very common blessing. And so all of you have been blessed daily. The most basic blessing is when your parents sent you off to school and said, have a good day at school, dear. It's a blessing. It's somewhat unconscious blessing for most parents. Um, but what, what would it be like for a child if that moment was a moment of conscious blessing, not a moment of a parent standing in the door terrified they're not going to see their child return? I mean, it's only natural. You know, your child's going out in the world to another day at school. What's going to happen? And so standing there in that moment of panic and saying, have a good day at school, dear, to sort of fight off that fear that it won't be a good day at school. Well, it's a pretty normal, pretty typical American moment, I would say. But what if we remembered the power of blessing and that moment became that moment of a man or a woman, a parent, a guardian, whomever, standing in that threshold empowered by the power of hearth and home, the power of the earth, the power of the sky, the power of love, the power of all that person's helping spirits, and that person's knowledge of that child's helping spirits. And that person stands in the threshold of that doorway, sending that child out into the world. And that parent blesses that child with the power of all of those energies to have a good day. That could happen, too every day. It's all just a matter of choice, a matter of intention, a matter of focus, a matter of remembering that a blessing is possible. You know, so what if you decided in the coming year to pick up this one single piece of living a spiritual life? What if you simply chose in the new year to explore the lost art of blessing? To, to spend some time and energy each morning offering blessings to your children as they go. Not dorky blessings, they're going to be all embarrassed and say, Mom, cut it out, you know, but a real blessing. You don't have to say it out loud. It's like Harry Potter learning to do spells silently. I mean, it's powerful out loud, but you can do it silently. But the point is, 
What if you choose to turn each one of those little frightening moments in life of, un, of oh, my God, I don't know what's going to happen. Is my kid even going to come home? To step into your place of power, your connection with the spirit world, and turn that moment into a moment of blessing. Bless that child as they go, and bless yourself as you enter into your day and have yet another day of parenting ahead of you, yet another day of whatever ahead of you. Every single one of us could use a blessing. What if you're childless? What if you and your partner both decide each moment, each morning, before you go off on the day to share a blessing on each other? It is a truly simple, simple yet powerful act of spirit. It functions very much like gratitude in that sense of being easy and accessible to us and available to just make the choice to use it. So as we go into this break, I hope you'll join me as we continue this afternoon discovering the lost art of blessing. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and today we are exploring the power of blessing. So curses, let's talk a little bit here about curses and blessings before we move on, because we would be sort of not really being in integrity if we didn't. Curses and blessings largely operate in the same realm they're, they largely function with the same principles. They just sort of move things in opposite directions, I guess, to put it simply. And let's all be real. We curse people all the time. We don't mean to. It's unconscious, but we do it all the time. It's part of the natural course of language in America. I don't know. Maybe they don't do this in other countries, but they certainly do do it unconsciously here. For example, when an MD says to someone, you're going to die in two months, with all the conviction of their training and their experience and their profession behind them and all the power that that system wields in our world, when you say to someone, you're going to die in two months, if you're part of that system, that's a curse. You don't mean it to be a curse. It is a curse. We do it in our families all the time. You're going to get that toenail rot. Everyone in the family gets it. It's hereditary. You know, it's a curse. These are curses. They're not intentional, but they are. Now, I am, of course, not meaning to say that your Uncle Bob, who says that to you every time at Thanksgiving, or your MD, who said that to you last time you went in for a checkup, it means to be cursing you. I'm not implying that at all. And at the same time, let me point out, there are people who are trained and know how to do a real curse. They are intentional, and they are powerful, and they are real. And, and I, those of you that travel around the world, pay attention. Those of you that live and work with people from other cultures, they understand this. My, I'm not saying they do it and we don't. I'm saying they understand curses. They understand the power of curses, and they know that they're real. My point is, as an American, don't be ignorant. They are real. They can happen, and they can be undone. Not to worry, but you will need to go to someone equally skilled to undo it. Okay, so the thing is about curses, not only are curses real and intentional and powerful at times, but curses can be carried generation to generation. And I see this all the time in ancestral work. Betsy Bergstrom sees it in her work in heart-centered um, depossession and that compassionate work, that we see this in our shamanic work, that curses can be carried generation to generation. But... So can blessings. So that's what I want to think about here today. So we curse people all the time, right? It's, it's, it's 
common. Um, the most recent one I've been being cursed by lately is um, in a new relationship, and I cannot tell you how many people have said to me, oh, well, it won't last. I can't believe that. It's so rude. <laughs> so what I'm suggesting we could try for a year is what if we decided to bless people all the time instead of cursing them? Wouldn't that confuse things, right? Because this this language of cursing people is normal and accepted in a, in an everyday American pitter-patter of, inter, of interactions. It's the rhythm of speech. Let's screw things up a little bit. Let's bless people instead of cursing them. And I'm not saying this from a Pollyanna point of view. I'm saying this from um, a rebellious point of view. What would happen if we all decided only to bless people? And the worse the offense to us, the more powerful the blessing we offer them. Wouldn't that confuse things? Imagine it. Imagine that you're being cussed at by somebody on the subway because you just tripped over them by accident when the train lurched. And what if you just turned to them and truly offered them a blessing? Wouldn't that confuse them, right? What happens when they do? we do this is the power of the word meets this very unconsciously flowing power of the storyteller. Storyteller is an archetypal energy. It's always here, and it's being used very unconsciously. That pitter-patter of language we get into is like the story. It's the script. It's the scripted way we're all supposed to be together. So what if the power of the word and of blessing meets the power of the storyteller head-on, and we go off-script we don't curse someone. We don't fall into that energy, but we offer a blessing. We go off script. We change the story. and We see what happens in life if we do that. I find for me, honestly, I curse people most often when I'm driving, particularly when people do something I feel is selfish or dangerous because, frankly, driving doesn't work real well as a social activity unless people are being somewhat selfless and... Um, clear about what they're doing and trying not to be dangerous. So I get upset about that. I think I'm all righteous and justified in it. But the point is, it creates this environment in which I am more likely to curse people. (laughs) What I notice when I curse people is that I feel weakened by it. It's subtle, but I definitely feel weaker It's like a fall for a moment out of the buoyancy of being in good relationship with spirit. It's as if in that moment of cursing another person, um, I slip out of the hands of spirit. I I somehow don't, don't, don't fit in that pattern anymore. And I've been noticing this recently because I've been working on the whole blessing curse thing in my own life. And so what I'm thinking about is then if I feel weakened, when I notice myself cursing others, then conversely, I could probably say that I would feel strengthened by blessing others. And isn't that interesting, since blessings are most often offered as a form of protection, that both the person receiving the blessing feels strengthened by the blessing itself, but the person giving the blessing is strengthened. And this may be a subtle experience or a powerful experience depending on the blesser and the blessing being offered. But what is most important to notice here is that the very act of blessing another strengthens both 
the one receiving the blessing and the one offering it. There's a wonderful form of blessing in the southwestern states, um, in the native peoples of that region in North America. And in this art of blessing, the, the practitioner is working with the person, and while they're working with the person, they're creating a sand painting, just like the Buddhist sand painting. Well, not just like them, but similar to the Buddhist sand paintings. And this sand painting is ultimately a blessing. It's like a creation, blessing the person with the life they want to step into. And so there's healing work happens and energies are removed and the person is brought to a point in the healing where they need to step into their new self or their new life or their new whatever. And that new state is shaped in the sand painting. And so it's like a great big visual, not big in the sense of size, but more in terms of energy. This practitioner is creating this picture you know, grain of sand after grain of sand, there's enormous energy, enormous intention, enormous prayer, enormous focus, all these activities being done to bring the power of spirit deeply and powerfully to bear in this sand painting. All the while other healings are being done on the person. And so this this painting, while not large physically in physical space, it's large enough for the person to stand in, but that's about it. But it's large energetically. It's a big blessing. Time and energy and focus and spirit are all woven in to this picture. And so in the end of the healing, when this person is in kind of a transitional state from where they were, healing work has been done, their energy is moving and shifting, and they step into that blessing. And it crystallizes for them what they are going towards, who they are becoming, the life they are dreaming of. It's, it's, it's as if they are able to step in that moment into the dream. They're not there yet in their life, right? They haven't made all the changes and done all the things they need to do to get to make that truly manifest in the fullness of their life. But in the fullness of that moment, that person's energy is brought completely forward into that possible future, into that dreaming, into that possibility by stepping into that blessing of that sand painting. And they absorb the energy. They absorb the blessing of that sand painting. And that strengthens them in the new energy system of who they are. It brings them in the moment into that person that's now going to go and help to shape their life to now match the person they've become. And now, as you know from other things that we've talked about, other principles, that the life will shift to match the person in the new energy they've become. You know, but one of the things that happens to us when we receive a healing or a transitional kind of experience is we go back out into our life and often the momentum of the life pulls us back into who we were. And so the power of this blessing is it not only kind of seals the deal of the healing, but it, it, it completes the transition of the, of the energy of the person. It brings them into the end of the story before they're there so that their energy crystallizes around that. And now they have a body memory of it. 
and a heart memory of it. And their mind can probably argue with them about it, but the spirit knows where they're going. And so you got three against one, right? And so the person goes back into their life now with this really powerful blessing from having having stepped into and taken in the energy of this piece of art, this, this sand painting that's created for them, this blessing. They've absorbed it, and they're taking it back into their life. And then and now they've got their body and their heart and their spirit all moving towards everything that needs to happen to get the life now to reflect the person they've become. And the mind can dither and carry on, and it can help or not, depending on where it is in the moment. But the possibility now of that person being able to manifest this life is made much, much more probable by the power of that blessing. And so for me, this this art of these sand paintings has always seemed um, one of the most um, intricate, complex, and yet somehow very simple and enormously powerful ways of offering someone a blessing. So... What I'd like us to begin to understand as we talk about blessing here today is that a blessing is medicine. That that in in shamanism, there's not this sense that medicine is only this thing over there that we take, that we're focused on the active ingredient, which would be the pharmaceutical perspective. And it's not even just the naturopathic perspective, which is here's the active ingredient, but here it is in nature that the art of blessing is, is really understanding that medicine, what a person needs energetically to shift them, could potentially be found in anything. And that the art of blessing is understanding how to shape words, music, dance, sand, grains of sand, plant medicines, anything, anything that it is to shape that energy into exactly the medicine or the blessing that that person needs in the moment to crystallize their energy where it needs to be for them to go forward and to live their dream. And so this is part of the lost art and power of blessing. And blessing, then, is our topic of our conversation today. I hope that you will come back and join us after this break. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And today, the topic of our show is the power of blessing. And or the lost art of blessing, as we've been discussing it here today. So blessing, simple, yet very, very powerful act. So what if you had the power to make everything go smoothly for others? Would you use it? And it's this question, really, that sparked this idea that I had, which is what if we go forward for the next year, and to the best of our ability, we transform every moment of cursing into a blessing. And as I said earlier, no matter the greater the offense, the more powerful the blessing. What if we refuse to participate in the cultural scripting? We refuse to curse each other unconsciously. And instead, we reclaim our power to bless each other our power to step back to to step back in and reweave the fabric of things coming together in a good way and we stop weakening ourselves and each other through curses 
and statements. We have no idea whether they're true. These people that have been telling me this won't last have no idea whether it will or won't. So why are we even saying it? Why don't we instead step into this art of blessing? So part of the reason that I'm not all that great at blessing as I am in other aspects of shamanism is because I didn't really understand it for a long time. I mean, I'm pretty much a typical American girl. I didn't have a clue, right? So shamanism starts happening. I'm paying attention to the big stuff. But this whole blessing thing gets kind of lost on me because it seems so small. And one thing leads to another. I'm asked to write the encyclopedia, and I'm working on the encyclopedia, and I have my first dark night of the soul, which every first author has on their first book, which is, you know, oh, my God, I can't do this. And, you know, eventually I got through that because I realized, well, everybody else got through it, so why shouldn't I? And then as I came deeper and deeper into the material of the encyclopedia, so I'm really learning about shamans and really realizing I have to get out of these second, third, fourth academically interpreted accounts and get back to the source material, the people that were the first contact people with the shamans and how they wrote about it. And as I do that, I come to get an even clearer picture of how shamanic people lived before Western thought came along and changed things. And in that, I came to a much deeper dark night of the soul, working on this encyclopedia, um, which was the realization that, in, in short, shamans had always sort of helped people bridge this gap between how they're living and how they need to be living to be in oneness with all things. And that, you know, the shaman kind of helps people to keep a bridge there and to move back and forth across that, across that bridge and hopefully in their lives over time to make that gap smaller and smaller. Well, as I came to understand this and came to really think about how things were and how things are and saw how enormous that gap has grown, I'm not sure we have the engineering capacity to bridge it. And I just thought, why am I writing this book? What is the point? We're not going to bridge this gap. We're all going to die, and we deserve it. Well, you know, granted, it was a dark night of the soul, so I'm thinking dark thoughts like that. But I kind of meant it at the time. And I got real stuck, real stuck with this book. And I'm, you know, at this point already two years late on my contract. So I got a new editor, and he's not very nice, and he's, you know, demanding this and demanding that, and I can't write a thing because I'm I'm crashed. My family's gone. They're all traveling in different countries. I'm here all by myself trying to write this book. It's rainy. It's Seattle. It's dark. It was not pretty. And this package arrives from South Africa from my mother for Christmas or my birthday or something. They're very close in timing. So anyway, so I unwrap this package, and there's this lovely little pendant with a small little crystal in it, just something you would get. It wasn't big, fancy jewelry. It was simple, but traditional in the Zulu culture that she was visiting. And there was a little story about visiting these um, interesting Sangoma women at a, at a site that had been developed by the shamans to help people understand the tradition, the shamanic tradition of the Zulu people. And she was writing all about this, and I, of course, was feeling a little snarky about it because I sure would have rather been there learning that than sitting being depressed and, and shut out of my writing by my own darkness in Seattle. So I wasn't really paying much attention. And I put the, I put the necklace on. It was a gift, after all. I put it on. I was wearing it. And in six hours, I was dog sick. I was puking, I was achy, 
I was really ill. And I thought, where the hell did this come from? Because there had been no sign, no sign of illness. All of a sudden, six hours later, bam, I am down. And I think, huh, the necklace. And I go back and I read the card more carefully, and I realize I hadn't even read the whole card. And the story about this site with these Sangoma women, these Zulu shaman women, was that my mother had gone to them and she purchased the necklace there. And she'd gone to these women and she'd asked them if they would bless the necklace for her daughter. And they divined what blessing I needed. That's all my mom said. And there was a language problem anyway. So even if she tried to say something else, I'm not sure they would have really understood. But energetically they understood. And they sent me, they blessed the necklace, and then my mom sent it to me. And the blessing was essentially, stand up. Find your voice and use it. Stand up. And we bring, and then the blessing went on, bringing all these spirits to bear from their own tradition, to bear for me, to be able to stand up and to find my voice, and to use it. And they asked that, it was like that the spirits of the earth there speak to the spirits of the earth where I was and help me to stand up, that the spirits of the wind there speak to the spirits of the wind here. You know, and it was beautiful, simple, powerful, though. I mean, these women rocked. So I just kept the necklace on because the sickness was a clearing, of all that dark place I had gone into that had to get out of the way so I could stand up, that had to get out of my head and out of my throat and out of my heart so that I could find my voice and find the courage and that I could stop worrying about everything. And there was a beautiful piece in there about not worrying about whatever. There's a lot of worry. I mean, I'm writing an encyclopedia, for God's sake, so there's lots to worry about. Stop worrying. Just stand up and speak. And so after I wore the necklace and had the sickness and cleared from that, several days later I was able to start writing again, and I wrote again every single day. Well, not every single day, every three days with a break, three days with a break, three days with a break, consistently for two years after that. That blessing was so strong and so powerful. It just cleared all that uncertainty, all of that doubt, all of that worry out of the way, all of that concern, and all of a sudden my perspective changed. I didn't close the gap, but I just understood it wasn't my job to do it. I just needed to write a book. And so so this blessing was so incredibly powerful. So what makes a blessing powerful? Why was this so strong? This is a cheap necklace sent across a half a globe to get to me. What made that blessing so strong? Well, the main reason is these women were trained, as shamans are trained in traditional cultures, to give a good blessing. They knew what the hell they were doing. They were skilled. There is a certain technique to it. That doesn't mean you can't do it without technique, but certain things work better than others. The other thing is these women had a long, well-developed relationship with spirit, right? I mean, they're shamans. They've got deep, deep, long, decades invested in developing their relationship with spirit. And so they have 
a lot to bring to bear. When they set their will and intention towards something in a blessing, there's a lot of spirit energy that's going to funnel through that opening that they create. And because they've been trained in how to do blessings in their own shamanic culture, they were able to focus their intent and and bring their own heart to bear. I mean, that was the thing that I felt so strongly in the blessing, in the wearing of the necklace and feeling of the blessing, is that this wasn't all technique and spirit. There was heart. These women had heart in this. They they felt what it would be like to be me, and they felt in that if this was me, this is what would need. So there was that human act, you know, of empathy and compassion in the crafting of this blessing. So part of it was intent, heart heartfelt intent, not just mental clarity, but the heartfelt intent. Okay, so those are the things primarily that made that particular blessing so strong. But there are a couple other things that can make a blessing strong. Another thing is essentially history, ceremony, repetition. To say the exact same words at the exact same time of year for the exact same reason that your ancestors had said them for hundreds of thousands of years, that gives a blessing power. So for someone to reclaim a lost ancestry and learn the traditional blessings of those people brings you back into alignment in a way with your ancestors. And when you step up to speak that blessing, a blessing they literally spoke in their life, they can join in immediately. They're not waiting to see what it is you are asking for and then doing it. They are asking for it with you. They are doing it with you. They are involved with you in every moment because they did it themselves. So there's an enormous power in blessings that are handed down within a culture or a religion. or um, But in particular, when you're speaking the words of your ancestors for the same reasons in the same time of year, where this, this whole... The power of ceremony is in its repetition. And so the fact that the words and the timing and the intent and all these things are repeating themselves, that gives a blessing power. Um, Another thing that gives a blessing power is the opposite of ceremony, is ritual. So this also goes back to the necklace, the blessing on the necklace. Part of the reason that blessing was so strong is because of its precision, because it was unique. It was divined precisely for me and my illness in that moment, my collapse of well-being in that moment of time in my life. And so they, they divined through their own skills the precise medicine needed, the precise blessing needed. So it was a ritual. It was a unique blessing, only said once only received once. But because of its precision, it was powerful. So blessings can be powerful either way, because they're precise and exactly what's needed in the moment, or because of their repetition over time in more of a general sense of things. But these are all reasons that blessings can be made, ways that blessings can be strengthened. 
Um, and of course, one of the greatest strengths of blessings is love, that you infuse the blessing with your own human capacity for love. And this is at the core of the Harry Potter stories, that the power of Harry's mother's capacity to protect him is the blessing of giving her love to him in its entirety at her death, that it protect him. So we're coming into break here, and we'll continue talking about the power and the art of blessings. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and today on Why Shamanism Now, we are talking about the power and the art of blessings. So let's try something. Now, if you're moving around while you're listening to this um, on a, you know, a download on your iPod or you're driving or you're on your way to some sort of party or something, try this later. <laughs> also, if you um, follow a Chinese calendar or some other system for counting time, you might want to try this again when you are at your new year. But for those of you who are at your new year, at this time, you might want to try this meditation. So just close your eyes, breathe, relax. Relax your shoulders and your body. Make sure that you're comfortable and just breathe and relax and breathe and relax. And when you're ready, just allow your awareness not to leave your body, but to enter your body and try to distribute your consciousness throughout your body equally. Don't think too hard about it. Just let your conscious awareness infuse your body equally. It's really not hard to do. you got nerves everywhere, right? It's just letting your awareness pour out of being centered in your mind. Let it flow into your entire nervous system and let your awareness extend out into your entire nervous system. So you're diffused, your awareness is diffused throughout your entire body. And just feel where you are, poised at the end of this year, the new year coming. Feel where you are in your life. Without judgment, without shame or blame or attachment or any, any second, third, or fourth thought. Just take stock, almost as if you're looking at someone else's life. Just take stock. Where are you personally in your relationship with yourself? Where are you in your relationships with all your loved ones? Where are you in your relationship with your professional life? Where are you in your relationship with spirit? And where are you in your relationship with fun and play? Just extend out. There may be other things in your life. Maybe you have a sailboat or maybe you are on the bowling league or you've got other things in your life. Just allow yourself to feel where you are in the moment in all of your life. And just assess. Just where are you? And then with each aspect of your life, Visualize one part of your life. For example, your relationship with your work in the world. And you may need to distinguish. For some people, their work in the world is not where they get their paycheck. So, whatever that is, 
just sense yourself connected with some part of your life. And then visualize that part of your life shifting into what you would like it to be in the new year. You're just um, using your creative imagination to imagine how you would like that to be in the new year. Um, Maybe you want to be able to strengthen the work you do that is your true work in the world so that it is able to pay all the bills. Maybe you want to do the opposite. You want to remove that entirely from what you do, and you just want to paint now. And you're going to take that job over there to pay the bills so you can just paint for your own reasons. My point is whatever direction you want to go in any aspect of your life is entirely up to you. The point of this meditation is not to pick one over the other, but just to get a sense of how you want things to shift. And when you have a sense of how you'd like things to shift in the new year, ask yourself the question, what will I need from spirit to make that shift real? And just write that down intuitively, no matter how strange that answer is. And then go back into your visualization. Just imagine where you are in an aspect of your life. Visualize where you want to be. And basically ask, what will I need from spirit to help me to close that gap? What will I need from spirit to make that transformation real? What do I need to make that change happen? Whatever that is, just write it down. And work your way slowly then through each aspect of your life, your relationship with yourself, your intimate life, intimate sexual life, your relationship with spirit, your relationship with your work in the world, your relationship with all the people that are connected to you that you love, your family, your extended family. And when you've gone through each one and written down the intuitive message that you get, the hit that you get about what you'll need from spirit, write them all down so you'll have a little list. And when you've gone through all of them, then just come gently out of your visualization, your little meditation. And you can take several days to do this if you need to, to get answers for everything. But once you've got them all, look at the list of what you will need, what needs to come into your life that is either not there or not strong enough yet or whatever it is, what you need. And craft a blessing for yourself out of those things that you will need. Just write a blessing. You know, Google Celtic blessings on the Internet to get a sense of how they work. Write for yourself a blessing. And then speak that blessing with heartfelt conviction every morning without fail. Use the power of that blessing in your life. And so I offer you this blessing. This is my blessing for each of you in your lives that true love might infuse your life. May divine grace be your companion as you hold your vision for your life in the new year. May divine grace be your companion as you hold this vision and you find the faith that true love is real. May the path be clear for you to act in wisdom. No courage in devotion and find laughter along the way. May you be enriched by the wonder and majesty 
of love. Love that attends to all. Love that cares. Love that is in the silence. May true love bless you in the new year. Thank you all for joining me on Why Shall Man.